Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tea to Green podcast, and I'm excited about uh, my guest here, whom I've never met personally, which is stupid. Um, on I don't know. I'll, I'll guess my part because uh, we're we're both in Buffalo. We're both in golf. Um, both in golf media. Um, she's well more accomplished uh, than I am uh, in that. But Cindy Miller is joining me here on the line. And Cindy, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me here. And nice to uh, connect with you via the phone, if not in person. Well, same here. And I can't believe we haven't met either. Kind of weird. Well, I feel like I do know you though. <laughs> well, likewise. You know, I, I I watched the big break, and I know enough. I played golf with enough people who've taken lessons from you, and they've beaten me. So I feel like I, I definitely know you. Well, that's good. <laughs> you know, maybe you should come for a lesson. Maybe I should because I've been stuck on eight forever. And, well, I know what it is. It's it's practice, right? I mean, I, I, I've always found, at least now as I'm in my 40s, that I the time is so short, and I'd rather spend it playing the game instead of practicing the game, which – Maybe reduces the quality of my game, but I'm, at least I'm out in the golf course uh, enjoying that. Uh, the, the practice certainly makes perfect. But uh, so there's so I many, there's, yeah, there's so many things I want to talk to you about um, because you're you're fascinating with all the things that you're doing um, through the game of golf. But I, I want to start with you, you played the game of golf, and then you decided to step back to raise your family while your husband played the game of golf professionally. Right? Is that is that in a nutshell, how it went? Yes, and then I went back to playing again. And did you find it better when you went back to playing again? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your perspective is different. I mean, when you have children, your life as you know it is over, right? You know that. <laughs> That's right. And then I think what you realize, which is evident by Lexi, sometimes you have to step back and and realize that, Golf is just a game, and it really, and the, you know, in the end, does it really matter? Not really. So I believe the more, when I had a mulligan, I, I gave myself a chance to really figure out Cindy and why did Cindy miss and why was Cindy not as good as she could have been and what was holding Cindy back. And if you have the courage to look in the mirror and maybe expose some elephants about yourself. I think that, you know, you really can improve, but you have to be willing to do that. And I think it has to hurt bad enough or you have to want something bad enough to be willing to look in the mirror. And, and that's not easy for anybody to do, right? But it's only people could tell you, but until you realize it. Right. I mean, you, you can't change it. Yeah. You got to want to do it. You got to want to do it. I mean, and there's people that come in for less and I say, okay, why are you here? Well, I want to be consistent. Okay. Define consistent, you know, and how much are you willing to invest time wise and energy wise and money wise? And, you know, I'm the 30 minute quick fix at queen, <laughs> but we can also do a major makeover if you want. It just depends on the student. Sure. You know, I, I was watching, um, video on your website, cindymillerinc.com, for those who want to uh, check it out and, and see all the great things. And we're going to talk about those things as we go along here. But I, one of the things I found interesting was you mentioned um, you had an embroidery business. And you, you went to your embroidery business, and it seems to me like you just said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go do that. 
you know, you do. It, it, the, I didn't even start the embroidery business because I wanted to start an embroidery business. I started the embroidery business because I bought a sewing machine that I wanted to have fun making clothes for the kids. And that sewing machine was $2,000. So I felt guilty purchasing a sewing machine to save money for $2,000. So I taught myself how to machine applique. And I ended up calling a friend I played on the tour with. And I said, hey, you need to sell these shirts so I could pay for this sewing machine. And she ends up selling $35,000 worth of shirts. And she needs logos on the shirt. So I have to call Dave Cook from New Era Cap. So again... I, I end up selling 144 dozen shirts to Augusta National for the Masters, but I never really started this sewing business because I wanted to start a sewing business. <laughs> I wanted to pay for a machine that I wanted to have fun with, right? <laughs> and I'm like, this is not a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's, do you still have the sewing machine? I, You know what? Dave Cook told me, you buy a Baritone sewing machine because the Baritone embroidery machine, which I bought a two-headed embroidery machine in 1992 for $38,000. And he goes, this thing will last forever. And God bless him. And we, she now has a name. Her name is Betsy the Bitch. <laughs> and she <laughs> is still alive. <laughs> so Dave Cook was right. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> uh, it's funny. My mom sewed clothes for us and... You know, these outfits, you know, were really little. And she still has the same sewing machine she made those things on. And still, I still bring stuff to her, to her house. Like, Mom, I, you know, can you stitch this? Can you make that? I don't want you to make me some of those hideous clothes that you made. <laughs> but um, it's just fascinating because that's an art um, or a skill, I should say, maybe even an art form that uh, I don't think people, it's lost on people today. Like, people don't sew anymore. They don't, my wife doesn't have a sewing machine. I don't know if any of her friends have a sewing machine. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's because I just like to be creative. So, I, in fact, I just bought a new single-headed Baritone embroidery machine. So the machine that I have is the same kind they have at New Era, huh. which I probably should have waited a month because they might be selling some of those machines <laughs> now that they're moving to Miami. But, um, yeah. So, so do you still... When I, when I was, I was saying, do you still have the business? Then you just bought another head oh, for yeah. it. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and again, I don't advertise it because I don't really want to do a lot. I do a lot of stuff for the U.S. Tennis Association and the Legends Tour, and some stuff for the LPGA. And um, I could do, you know, corporate stuff. I do a lot of like blankets and towels and stuff and tchotchkes. Yeah. To go along with corporate outing. Yeah. Oh, cool! So I I didn't know that because I you know I knew uh, about uh, teaching golf, playing golf, and the corporate uh, speaking aspect uh, of being Cindy Miller. Didn't know you still had that business. Where do you find time to do all this stuff? I'm nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I am nuts. If I get an order that's too big, I job it out. Yeah. Well, I did have a store in downtown Silver Creek, but I don't have that anymore. All right, so you so it's is it out of your home or? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Let's talk about um, so you have that going on. Um, let's talk about teaching golf. How often are you teaching golf nowadays, uh, lesson wise, clinic wise? Five days a week. And how many lessons are packed into that? 
it depends on the time of year. I tell people this time of year I could die and no one would know. <laughs> um, in the summer, anywhere from 10 to 15 lessons a day. Wow. And, yeah, I'm a machine. Yeah, and I, but you know, I, I bet it gets... It gets tedious, or does it not? Because you know you might be giving the same concepts, but to different people. I imagine it's about the person you're teaching, which makes it interesting. It is. It is, and, and most of it is people don't believe they can get better. You know, you're trying to communicate something, in my opinion, that's very simple, that's been complicated, and I, and I talk about the committee of they of everybody that tells you what to do and what not to do, and you know, you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. And, and to be honest with you, I should probably thank the committee of A for helping me, you know, make a living teaching golf at a public place in Buffalo for 30 years uh, because they screw people up. Therefore, I get to fix them. But I really, really love helping people do something they don't believe they can do. No, that's true. And there are people that, uh, that just accept uh, I, I, th- I think most, a lot of golfers just accept what they are, and you're right about that believing part, uh, believe that they can get better, but it goes back to what we said, they're also not willing to, I think most people, maybe not willing to put the work in to do what you tell them to do, what you've shown them to do in that 30-hour, 30 30-minute 30 fix, uh, to continue doing that so it works, right? I mean, they're... they're you can tell someone in 30 minutes what they're doing wrong and correct it there, but unless they work on it, right, It's they're going to come back with the same issue, aren't they? Um, here's the thing. If you understand why the ball goes where it goes and what you're doing with the club to make that happen, and I show you how to fix it, it's really pretty simple. Do this instead of that to make the ball go where you want it to go. So the ball is the evidence of what you've done with the club. And if if I can help you understand what you do, it's really pretty simple to fix it. So, you know, you can stand there and keep hitting bad shots or you can try something different and hit it better. And it shouldn't be painful. Shouldn't be. Keywords. <laughs> key, key from the people I know have taken lessons from you, you haven't made it painful. They they have nothing but uh, great things to say about um, what you've done for them and their games, and and, and te- showing them why the ball's doing what it's doing um, and what they really want it to do, what it should do. Is do you have a standard thing on what you think the ball should do for the amateur golfer, or is it an individualized thing? Well, everybody would like to hit the ball clean, airborne, and somewhat straight. <laughs> I mean, I haven't met anybody who says, no, I'd like to hit it fat all the time. I want to hit it thin or I want to, I want to fade it. I mean, there's people that say, well, now how do I work the ball? I go, well, let's try hitting it a little straighter first. You know, I don't even try to work the ball because I'm not, I don't practice enough because I don't like to practice. I just want to play. I'm just like you. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone wants to hit the ball clean, airborne and straight. And then some people want to hit it far. So, I can show you how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight. I, I absolutely can. And and you, if you really pay attention, it'll totally make sense. And it's not very hard. I think what happens, or maybe why, 
let's put it this way. Alan played, my husband played on the tour for 15 years. He played in the Masters five times, three times as an amateur. And he was a student of the golf swing. And I used to take a thousand lessons from a million different people. And, and I would always get confused. And they would always tell me what I'm doing wrong. And so when I started hanging out with Alan, and he said, well, it's really pretty simple. And I was like, wait, say that again? Hmm. And he doesn't talk a lot, but when he does, you should pay attention. So, and this is going to sound funny, but the reason I asked him to marry me is so I could get free lessons for life, right? (laughs) And so I now understand what the club should do to hit it straight. And I never did when I was growing up. Because people would criticize me, and and now I feel so passionate about helping people understand that it's so much easier than you think. And I don't talk about me or what you buy. Where was the face? What's the club face doing? And if we can figure that out, then you can hit it straight. So that's my theory. You know, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was just thinking about this as you were saying it, uh, or how so many people told you what you're doing wrong. And I, I think most people in golf, what am I doing wrong? Do you ever tell people what they're doing right first? And, and like, here's what you're doing right, and then we'll build from there? Yeah. And, and here's why the ball's going where it is. And then, and they look at you like, oh, well, of course, that makes sense. So, I believe that people confuse the student, and I think a lot of people don't want to take a golf lesson because they've heard all this stuff. So they they think golf lessons are painful. You know, oh, I don't want to do this. So I don't really want to hear everything I'm doing wrong. I don't want to hit it worse before I hit it better. I'm like, you don't have to. You know, I can fix you in five minutes <laughs> if you want to pay attention. And you understand. So that's just my, I, I, I sound like I'm preaching, but no, hey, that's pre- the truth. Pre- preaching to the choir uh, for those who uh, listen uh, to this. Um, it, do you find it's easier teaching men or women? Anybody that wants to get better. And, you know, I think, you know, it's funny how you say, well, what's my marketing and who's my perfect customer? And, when we started teaching, nobody wants to teach women who have never played golf, right? And it's funny. I went to the PGA Teaching and Coaching Summit a couple of years ago, and this golf pro stood up by her on stage with 500 pros in the audience and said, well, once I graduated from teaching the women and juniors, hmm. and I went, oh, wow. Nice attitude, pal, right? Yeah. I'm like, give them all to me. Give them all to me. So... I love teaching women who've never held a golf club, who've never played any sports, who are totally clueless, who think they can't do anything, because I know I can help them. And nobody likes them. Nobody's nice to them. And I'm like, get over here. Let me help you. So um, men will listen, too. And I, I like the 20 to 25 handicapped guy, maybe even a 15 to 25 handicapped guy who plays every Saturday, Sunday morning, who's a member of the private club, who, you know, thinks he's too cool to take a lesson from a woman, and then his buddy comes in and kicks his butt and takes money from him, and then he's like, oh, maybe I should go see her. And then he goes back and takes money back from the guy. So that's fun, too. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's funny when, 
You, you talk, you know, it's interesting, you know, there someone's like, oh, when I graduated from teaching juniors and women, I would think that's more lucrative teaching juniors uh, and women just starting out the game because there'll be more frequent customers uh, for lessons because Correct. they're just starting that would be out. An annuity. Yes. yes, right. You know, and well, and, and frankly, uh, you know, I, I, you know, every guy here goes, oh, there's women, a group of women in front of us. I'm like, they play faster than we play. What are you, what are you complaining about here? Um, I, I, it seems to me most women I see in the golf course, you know, they're hurrying things up. They're not out there all day. Like, I mean, there's too many, too many guys are slower than women out there on the golf course. And I just think there's that stereotype that men have uh, when they see women on the golf course. Like, oh, they can't be good, and they're going to be so slow when it's rarely ever the case. That's true. And you know what? It's really fun when you <laughs> – I got to tell you this. We, we do boot camps in Florida in February, March, and April, right? And I had some women from Buffalo who are really good players, and one of them happened to be the club championship at, at East Aurora, and we were getting ready to tee off. So we, we teach you in the morning, we have lunch, and then we play 18 holes every afternoon. So we're at LPGA International, and there's um, there's only three of us. And I got, I got the two – women that are really good and Alan's got the four guys behind right and we're teeing off first because I'm always in a hurry and we're standing on the first tee and these guys whip around the corner and they were supposed to tee off ahead of us right and you could just see their faces go oh no like there's three women and they go oh well we've got the tee time before you and I said we understand that and he goes would you mind if we go I said no but I just need to tell you that we happen to be the badass bitches from Buffalo and if you hold us up, we're going to hit into you. <laughs> <laughs> they played fast, didn't they? <laughs> they did. And you know, as soon as they just get out of range, you got to hit it so they can hear the ball coming up. And they turn around and look, and I said, that's right. I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> I had, uh, when I worked in Charlotte, uh, my boss at the radio station I worked at, he invited me out to play golf at, at his club. Old Sycamore was the club. And he's like, yeah, we're gonna, you know, uh, we'll play uh, someone else from the office, and my wife will play with us. I'm like, okay. And on the first hole, uh, his wife Gina, she had just her, her ball just released off the back of the green, and she drops an f bomb. And I go, oh. And my boss looks at me, and goes, three time club champion, and she goes, yeah, and you better buckle it up today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she shot 73 and was steaming, but man. Man, was she a great player, and I just I love the intensity uh, that she had, uh, you know, out on the golf course, and I can see why she'd won her club championship three times in a row. I, I want to talk to you about women's professional golf right now, and and where where do you think it's at? Um, you, you mentioned Lexi Thompson and her um, coming out publicly and just needing to step back, and you know, image uh, the image. I don't want to say issues is probably not the correct thing, but, uh, you know, just her very poignant uh, words that she put out with the demands that are put on her and the expectations of her. And it just, it made me think like, it's got to be tougher for women to be a professional golfer with all that's expected of them, not only in society, but uh, also performance wise on the golf course. Uh, I don't know if it's tougher. I don't, I don't think it's tougher because I believe <clears throat> um, here's, here's one of the things that was a, a, way, a rude awakening to me. Was we went to the Canadian Open in 2000 when Tiger won, and Jamie was 
you know, however old Jamie was at that point, 15, 16. And we have three beautiful children, and, you know, but Jamie's a golfer. And so we were at the Canadian Open, and when Tiger walked out to the practice range, now Alan is a lifetime member of the tour, past champion life member, so Alan has a money clip. Alan could go in the locker room, and we could go to family dining. We can go anywhere we want because mm-hmm. he's a lifetime member, right? So we walk out there, and here comes Tiger, and you can't believe all the cops, all the people, which you, was evident when he won that tournament. And I don't even remember which one it was this year, but all the people, and Jamie looked at me, and he goes, wow. Like, it was an awareness that he's like, this guy can't really live his life like I can live my life. This guy has a different life than anybody I know, right? And I don't believe it's that much so for the women golfers. I I believe that Lexi's very recognizable. You know, Aria Jutanagarn could probably walk in the mall and nobody know who she is. Right. Um. Michelle Wee, everybody's going to know who she is, although she, when she dyes her hair, it's hard to recognize her. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that it's harder for the women. I do think that, you know, I'm glad that Lexi backed away. And I think there are an awful lot of expectations and demands and, you know, money and who really am I? And I'm glad she's got a puppy and I'm glad she realized that, you know, golf is just a game. I'm glad her brother caddied for her you know, safe people that aren't trying to get something out of you. Mm -hmm. But I think that, I think being a, you know, Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods, they have a different life than Lexi. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, let me, let me uh, look at it a little differently here. Cause I'm, I'm thinking about two fantastic players who retired to raise families. And, And in that regard, it's a little bit different. And maybe you can relate a little bit with that where, you know, there's a time frame, right? I mean, there's the clock for women in having children, and I'm thinking Lorena Ochoa and Annika Sorenstam, unbelievable players, you know, some of the all-time greats, and left the game to raise a family. And I, I think in Annika's situation, what more could she do, frankly, right? <laughs> um, o- Ochoa? Absolutely. Right? I mean, Annika couldn't do anything more in, in – you know, if she stayed and played, it, like, why? You know, there's no point um, unless she enjoyed doing it, frankly, but she wanted to raise a family. So how can you not respect that? And really the same for Lorena Ochoa. And I, I, I guess I look at it and say, boy, that had to be difficult, but I, I guess maybe not, right, if that's what you want to do in your life. Well, again, if you are a real star on the LPGA Tour, you know, golf is your life. That's what you do. And there really isn't a whole lot of time for anything else. Now, I would mention to you Christy Kerr. Mm-hmm. I would say Julie Inkster, who continues to play, has two beautiful daughters, right? Uh, Christy Kerr has, I think, two kids now. And Suzanne Pedersen just stopped to have a baby. Stacey Lewis stopped to have a baby. So they are trying to balance a real life. If you're the mom... So when I when we got married, I got pregnant right after we got married, and there happened to be childcare on the PGA Tour. When I had my children, there was no childcare on the LPGA Tour. Now, how bad is that? All right. Now there is now, but I, you know, Annika, I agree with you. Lorena, I was pretty surprised, but Lorena is pretty shy. You know, her personality style, and so is Annika. They're pretty chill. They're not Christy Kerr and Suzanne Patterson. 
you know, they're, we would call those an S personality or a C, a little cautious, analytical. You know, Trixie Kerr is a high D, demanding, you know, like a tiger, so is Suzanne Patterson. But I, I feel like, you know, if you want to get married and have a baby, those girls did the right thing by stepping away and making enough money that, you know, they can do their foundations and still be relevant in the golf world. So it, I think it just depends on the player. Sure. That's why I, I was fascinated, and I don't know if you uh, saw any of her um, uh, documentaries on HBO, the Serena documentary, when her, making her comeback for Wimbledon, you know, after having a child. I thought it was it was so, as a man, it was so eye-opening to me that um, all she was going through to, you know, here's one of the greatest athletes, forget gender, uh, greatest athletes of all time, and having to come back from something that, uh, you know, I, I, few could, you know, maybe half a population can relate to and having a baby and the demands of being a mom and trying to get back to this pinnacle of the sport again. It was very fascinating to me to, to see Serena, what she was going through, not only physically, but mentally, uh, to make that happen. Absolutely. You know, it, it is difficult. Uh, and the guilt factor, you know, Am I being too selfish? You know, all that stuff's going to go through your head, in my opinion. Sure. Well, I'll say this. I, I feel it sometimes when I'm on the road covering an event and, you know, my kids will call me and say, hey, Dad, I, I scored two goals tonight. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you guys experienced that, too, uh, uh, going through Absolutely. that. Absolutely. All right. I want to ask you about um, your speaking uh, and corporate training. Um, again, you can check this out at cindymillerinc.com, um, is some samples of that, but uh, tell me about, uh, just corporate speaking and getting in front of an audience of salespeople and what you tell them and how you relate the game of golf to what they're trying to do out there and growing their business. Well, I created a thing called the it box and People say, well, what is it? And I said, well, it's your potential, your passion, and your purpose in life. And if you choose to pursue your it, there are three things you need to do. And there are three things in the box. There is a nail, and the nail um, signifies pain. There's a story about this salesman, traveling salesman, driving down the road, looking for the eggway plant. He gets lost. He sees this farmer sitting on the porch. In a wheelchair, or in a rocking chair, sorry, not a wheelchair, a rocking chair, and laying next to him is his dog. And the dog is whining and moaning as this salesman asks the farmer for directions. And he says, you know, i got to ask you, what's the matter with your dog? He says, oh, he's laying on a nail. And he goes, laying on a nail? He goes, why doesn't he get up? He said, well, because it doesn't hurt bad enough. So the first thing in the box is a nail. How bad does it have to hurt before you're willing to change? And the second thing in the box, is a mirror, and the mirror is used for you to take a look and see, you know, what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, what am I doing wrong, what can I do better, what do I really want? And the third thing in the box is a seed. So if you choose to pursue your it, you need to know your why, you need to know who you are, what you want, what you need to do, and then you have to do something about it. So you have to plant a seed and you have to give it time to grow and you have to water it and you have to put it in the light and you have to nurture it. And if you do, there's no telling how good it could be. So 
that's the message that I convey, and I tell the story of me and my mulligan um, of, you know, playing on the tour, being of the best in the world, being one of the worst, getting married, going from tour player to tour wifey-poo to tour mother to running a sweatshop, teaching golf lessons, and I share the story of Alan drinking and being an alcoholic and trying to commit suicide and filing for divorce, and I, I tell this big old story, and then as I'm sitting in the shop one day and I read the Monday morning paper, looking at the scores from the tour, I see that there's a Legends tour for former LPGA tour players. I was like, whoa, what's that? How old do you have to be? Who played? And I looked down the list and I see that Nancy Lopez shot 85 one day and made three grand. And I'm like, well, I can shoot 85 and I want to get paid three grand. I'm working like a butt, you know, my butt off here and I'm not making any money. So that's when I stopped trying to fix Alan. And when I stopped trying to fix Alan, everything in my household changed. I wasn't pointing fingers at him. I had to look in the mirror and figure out, what are you going to do? And that's when I applied to be on the big break. You know, the little voice said, you know, well, you don't want to win an exemption on the LPGA Tour. Well, that's true, but you want to win a Legends Tour event. We both know that if you were leading a tournament and had to hit a shot on the 18th hole with thousands of people watching, you'd throw up and choke your guts out. You need to be on the show so you can learn how not to choke. Good point. So that's what I tell people that, you know, you got to want to get better and um, you have to look in the mirror and you have to do something about it. Sounds like you gave yourself the big break before going on the big break. Probably. So what, what is, yeah. yeah, what's changed for you since being on the big break? Uh, because, uh, you know, that show did a lot for you. It, 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 from a distance, it looks like it did, did a lot for you after you did a lot for yourself to put yourself in position to get on the big break. Well, anybody that wants to get good has to put in the work, you know. What's the dream? What's your desire? What do you want to do? Where are you going? What's your direction? Are you driven to accomplish it? Are you determined? Are you disciplined? You know, we get all these kids that come in and say, I want to play college golf. I've got a couple kids right now. I want to play D1 golf. I go, well, guess what? Don't write to this coach. Don't go play in this tournament, shoot 90, because you're hurting yourself, you know. Let your clubs do the talking. you you got to shut up and shoot a score. And I think what it did for me was it made the fear go away. Um, I'm probably too brutally honest, but in my opinion, that's, that's the only way you can be. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat things for myself or anybody else because then I'm lying to you and I can't lie. So being on the big break helped me gain confidence. And, and you know, it's funny because at the time, Jamie was going, he was on the golf team at the Ohio State University, right? Mm-hmm. And I asked all the kids, hey, do you mind if I apply to be on the show? I don't know if I'm going to get chosen, but, and, and Matt and Kelly were like, I don't care. Go for it. Do what you want to do. And, and Jamie, the middle one who plays golf, says, don't do that. That show's stupid. And I'm like, ooh. That's a little porky. You know, what's your problem? And he said, well, nobody's any good that plays on that show. And, you know, you're going to look stupid. And I thought, well, he's, he's afraid that his mother is going to maybe embarrass herself and him. So when I got chosen to be on the show in 
the 70 cameras were in my face and all the crew members, and I had to hit a shot, and I, you know, the little, uh-oh, don't blow this voice. All I thought about was, your son is watching you. Make him proud. Hmm. And that's what I thought. And I sucked it up and was a big girl and hit shots. And so it did more for me to have courage than people recognizing me. I mean, for a little while after the show, people might recognize me. Oh, are you that girl from the big break? But now nobody even remembers the show. So it doesn't matter. I mean, I love the people at the Golf Channel. Yes, it helped my daughter get a job there. Now she's earned the right to be, you know, Jimmy Roberts' primetime producer for the Olympics. Uh, but I didn't do that for her. She did that herself. So the show helped me learn to believe in me. So I guess the message is sometimes you have to scare yourself and you got to suck it up. And when you do, there's no telling how good you could be. Well, let's tell people where, where else they can uh, hear you. You have a podcast of your own that you were telling me about before we, uh, when we first connected yes, here. So why don't you tell people... Yeah, the go. Women of Golf is on every Tuesday morning on Blog Talk Radio from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern, the Women of Golf radio show. Um, you can email me, Cindy at CindyMillerInc.com. You can sign up for my newsletter and sign up for free golf tips. You can request a booking if you need to... Um, if your team needs a little flop around and a little inspiration, I challenge people to own their game. Um, and, you know, just reach out. Send me at CindyMillerInc.com. And my final thing, so what's, what's next for you? Like, what else do you, uh, do you have some other goals in mind that you, you want to achieve, some other things that you want to do? Well, I have created the Pursue Your Itch Foundation. And I am trying to change the lives of children in the underserved community. And I go in and I do the it box speech to like maybe a whole class, like Silver Creek. I did the whole high school. I've done the Buffalo Promise neighborhood, big brothers, big sisters. I just did the New York state field hockey dinner last Friday at Salvatore's. And I'm doing, we won an empire state grant for Lackawanna schools, the Martin road elementary. We're going to do their fourth and fifth grade classes. So I go in and I share my story, which, you know, it's not real pretty. There's, you know, alcoholism, domestic violence, abuse, suicide, all kinds of stuff. And then I inspire and challenge these kids to pursue their it. And we, if they choose to be a part of the program, they have to take behavior and motivation assessments. We have workbooks. It's a six-week program, and we teach them how to make vision boards to plan their future and aspire to be who they're meant to be. Well, that uh, that sounds great. Sounds like uh, very meaningful work to you and potentially life-changing to those kids. So congratulations on that, and uh, keep going Thank with you. that. And if you want information and you want to help me, I, we got the Jim Kelly grant last year. We got the Empire State Grant uh, for schools for Lackawanna, and we need more money to buy the books. And uh, everybody gets a, a like a ball marker coin when they complete the program. I want them to carry it with them all the, everywhere they go, so they don't ever forget about their it. Um, go to pursueyourit.org, and you can learn more about it. Pursueyourit.org. All right, we'll put that link up uh, to with this pursueyourit.org. 
So if you're listening to this, you want to donate a few bucks uh, to help out uh, this mission, uh, that would be fantastic. Cindy, thank you so much for your time. And let's make a pact here. If if it doesn't happen before the end of 2018, that we meet face-to-face in 2019. We do. Let's have lunch. <laughs> I, I, I like lunch. I like lunch a lot. And uh, I like you. This was fun. I really uh, appreciate your time and doing this, and I know everybody uh, listens uh has enjoyed it also and we'll do it again thanks kevin have a great day you too well how how great was that with cindy miller i knew she'd be great um you know a half hour spent with her here and i know like there's so much more to her story so make sure you check it out cindy miller inc.com cindy miller inc.com you can book a lesson there uh corporate speech uh if you're looking to do that uh, you can certainly do that to uh, have her inspire uh, your team, your staff, and, of course, the foundation. She has a foundation link there, and we will put all the stuff up uh, on the site. You can find, of course, on the site for all the uh, information um, for Cindy Miller's uh, The It Foundation, Pursue Your It Foundation, and the Cindy Miller Inc. Dot com. With that, I wish you all happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk about Tiger and Phil after the match. We'll get the radio crew together to talk about it afterwards. Uh, that, of course, coming up on Friday. Hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>